Welcome to another episode of Local First Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Dr. Aruna Tumala with Trinity Center for Integrative Psychiatry. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you, Rob. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for taking some time out and talking with you. I'm really excited about uh, what we get to talk about in this conversation that we're going to have today. Um, but before we get into that, uh, give us a little bit of your backstory and let the listeners know a little bit who you are and uh, where'd you grow up, where'd you, where'd you live, what do you like doing in your spare time? All right. So I, uh, uh, as Rob, as you said, I am an integrative psychiatrist. I am actually uh, from India. I was born and raised in India and I came to the U.S. in 2004 uh, looking for higher education and training in the field of psychiatry. And... Um, so I did graduate from psychiatry in India, and I was practicing. And um, basically, I was I was looking to specialize in um, geriatric psychiatry, uh, which is the um, psychiatry of the um, uh, elderly. And that's what brought me to the United States. Um, uh, my husband was also here at that point in time. And um, I loved Milwaukee when I came here to uh, look at the residency programs and uh, decided to... Uh, you know, we decided to stay back and raise a family. Uh, and uh, the big concern was about the weather. I'll give you that. I, I was actually uh, living in California before coming here. But uh, Milwaukee has this amazing family atmosphere. It really invites you to set down your roots. And once you do that, it's uh, it's not easy to get out of here. It, it really isn't. I've, I've no. I tried to escape Milwaukee several times, <laughs> and it, it just does not happen. I keep coming back. It's just a, such a great community. It is. It is. And so uh, we, uh, you know, we made our family. We, ra- we are raising our kids here. And uh, it's it's been a wonderful uh, few years, actually. That, that's really cool. So tell the audience a little bit what you do at uh, Trinergy and, you know, kind of give them a, like a, a snapshot of what you do over there. How do you help people? Yeah, I am a psychiatrist to begin with. And I, I was very traditionally trained. But about five, six years ago, I became more interested in... Um, uh, the holistic approach. So what does that mean? I mean, in, if you go to any traditional psychiatrist, and, you know, frankly, I've been guilty of doing this before myself, you know, uh, let's say that people come to me for depression or anxiety, I would, um, you know, the understanding at that point in time, or still is with many traditional psychiatrists, that depression, anxiety, schizophrenia is a chemical imbalance. And there are a set of medications that we uh, match to the so-called uh, diseases, and then we hope and pray that the person gets better. This was a very, very narrow view of what uh, mental illness and the brain is about. But um, probably because of my uh, background and upbringing in India, where you know the Eastern philosophy and the holi- uh, holistic approach is probably very ingrained, I was always looking for ways to enhance what I could offer to my patients. And that led me, you know, uh, to read articles, to look for articles in the medical literature that looked at the role of diet, that looked at the role of nutritional supplements. And one thing led to another. And uh, I found myself um, uh, training with Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. This is a medical body that actually provides holistic uh, training to physicians from different fields and um, So I uh, decided to do that and I haven't looked back since. The biggest thing that I have learned is that mental illness is really not just in the brain and it's not a mystery. Um, What what was missing is that we forgot that the brain is actually part of the body 
And all of the systems within our body are kind of interconnected like, like that of a spider web. And so when you, when you yank at one part of the spider web, you might see the ripple effect in different parts of it. And that's exactly what's happening when a person is experiencing symptoms of mental illness. It could be anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, autism, it does not matter. You have to look at the whole mind, body, brain system. And that's what I do. I help people figure out how their whole physiology is broken down and the common causes for it. And then once we understand what's causing it, it's a matter of rectifying that. And this is, this is how many of my patients are actually able to find cure, even in conditions uh, that were supposedly not curable. Um, That's really interesting and how you're doing it. And you're going through a holistic approach instead of just feeding them a bunch of pills and medicine and things exactly. of that sort of like that. So that's really, that's really cool that you're, that you're doing that. So how did you get interested into this field of practice? You know, you'll notice, I mean, I don't know if you've had uh, any conversations with other holistic doctors, but almost all of us have a personal story to it. So as I said, you know, I have children and when my older child was between two and three years of age, she began to have a lot of ear infections. Practically every month she would fall sick and, um, and she would get all these antibiotics. And around that time, you know, I began to learn about the problems with giving so many antibiotics and the microbiome disruption uh, until she, you know, until she was one and a half to almost uh, two years, I breastfed her very, very religiously because I wanted her to get the immunity and all of that. And then all of that, it, it felt like what I had done was going to waste and I didn't know why this was happening. And, you know, um, again, you know, of course I asked Dr. Google, I shouldn't be <laughs> talking about that, but I did. But I should also credit my uncle. He's a pediatrician in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he started this holistic journey much ahead uh, of me. And he came back and told me that, hey, what you're doing is that you're giving her milk and she's probably having uh, a leaky gut because of all that antibiotics and microbiome disruption. And now she's not able to digest milk and milk proteins can be inflammatory. That's what's happening. I blew him off. I'm like, are you kidding me? Kids, she's only two, two and a half. How can you say that I shouldn't be giving her milk? But then I had to do my own research and... Um, uh, and that's I, that definitely was a big, big inspiration for me. And I remember in 2013 was my first conference with AIHM. I went there and of course, I not only learned that foods, not all food are created equal and some foods are very inflammatory. It really depends on our digestive abilities and the quality of the food that we're eating. And when there's a mismatch between these two, we can end up with any illness known to mankind from depression to dementia from cancer to autoimmunity to ear infections, autism, you name it, that's what's happening. And then the other thing I realized was about the role of environment and the toxins. And uh, during this conference, I remember I would call my husband, I was there in the conference by myself, and I would call him and say, that shampoo that we're using for the kids, don't use that again, that toothpaste <laughs> that's loaded with toxins. And he finally got tired and he said, honey, you're gonna be back in five days. We've used it for so many years. It's not going to kill them if I use it for one more week. So that, um, so I, I came back home and that very day I grabbed a couple of garbage bags, went through my whole house, threw out everything I was using from the kitchen, the cooking oils to the uh, household cleaning products. And um, I haven't looked back. 
And I've definitely seen my kids' health improve and my own health improve. Um, I do have a family history of diabetes um, and other endocrine conditions. I used to be a little bit overweight with my, you know, the A1C, which is the diabetes marker, always used to be a little high. Cholesterol used to be a little high. And I'm more healthier now in my early 40s than I was five, seven years ago when I started all this. So, and, and with, like I said, with my kids, I think for the last five years, they barely fall sick. I mean, I have to keep them home sometimes because they want to miss, I mean, they get tired sometimes, but they don't typically miss school because they're falling sick or they're down with the flu or any major illness. So, when, when you talk about milk, you're talking about cow's milk. Right? I'm talking about dairy, yes. Dairy in general yeah. like that. I was like, there was a study or documentary <clears> here. It's like, we're one of the only animals that drink other animals' milk. Yes, yes. And I grew up and I hated milk. <laughs> Good for you. I, you know, and I, I'm, I'm really thankful that I did. I was like, everybody's like, well, your bones are going to break. You're not going to grow tall. You're not going to do this. Yeah, that, there is so much of misconception. And really what has happened is that before World War II, uh, we all ate very differently. I mean, if you look at your own grandparents' generation, they were much healthier. They, didn't, they were not afraid of eating fat, animal fat included. Um, but then post-World War II, what happened is that corporations have literally hijacked our kitchens. And, um, you know, they sold this myth of easy, nutritious food. But, you know, things that are easy are never probably that good for us. And that we are really paying the price for that. I mean, everything, the over-chemicalization. Like, you know, if, uh, if you compare uh, the chemicals that are used in America to Europe, we went a completely different direction 20 to 30 years ago. Europe said, you know, they follow this uh, scientific principle called the precautionary principle, which basically means that you have to prove something. Uh, corporations have to prove that something that they're trying to introduce is absolutely safe before they will allow that to be introduced. Whereas in U.S., we said, no, we trust the corporations and that's OK. They are saying that they have not they have not seen any evidence of harm. And then we'll see. But really, with that kind of an approach, we are definitely seeing a divergence in the trajectories of health in other developed countries and uh, in the U.S. And you really see that, especially in the U.S. with uh, the young kids. With young kids, uh, yes. From the time uh, that I grew up to the time now, and you, know, you can't always blame it on the video games and stuff like that, but yes. the, the foods that they're eating, they're introduced to. And, and it, it's, just, it's just one processed food after another. Yes. And it, it's just a shame that's like, you know, you go back and like, I, I, I grew up on that. I grew up on box food and, and things like that. But, you know, learning over time that that's not necessarily good for you. It might be a little easier for you to cook, um, but it really isn't. And it's so much better. Um, I, I love it. The, this time of year, I get to harvest my garden. Carrots, potatoes, beets, wonderful. kale. I mean, all those wonderful things. And it's a sh I get frustrated in the middle of the winter because I can't get that same fresh food from my garden. So I have to buy it from the store. And if it's not a great organic, sometimes I don't buy organic. And you can just feel it, touch it, and taste it. And it's not the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and uh, what I see is that especially kids in my practice they can make out the difference. Um, I've had at least a couple of moms come and tell me that once they, you know, once the kids have switched to the diet that I recommend, 
um, those kids will actually remind their moms that, hey, I'm not supposed to eat that. Or I have ice cream social today in school. I'm not going to eat that. Give me something else that I can eat. And that's to me is amazing because, you know, deep down, we all have that intelligence. I think um, in children, especially, I see that intelligence as literally unsullied. They're not as much hijacked by the chemicals in our environment, in our food. So they are able to very quickly align themselves to what is good for them. But as we grow older, obviously, you know, we suppress our own intelligence. I mean, how many times have we eaten, especially in our you know, younger days? And I've been guilty of it. You know, I eat something very spicy and don't feel great the next day. But then, you know, I don't modulate that. And I'm sure, you know, for um, you and our listeners, they all have their pet uh, weakness that takes them back to doing things that are not so healthy for them. And, and it is so true. It's like you, you can really tell if you eat a healthy diet and then one day go off of that diet and eat something, just for example, a McDonald's or a heavy lunch or you go out for a hamburger, fries and whatever at lunchtime. And I've done this because I love hamburgers and I have my spots around town. By two o'clock, I'm done. My body's shutting down because it's just so heavy and I can't, can't function. You bring up a very important point um, that, and that's the way we figure out whether what we are eating is good for us or not. Good food will make us feel light, energetic, and actually happy. Anything but that. When you eat something and you're not having these these benefits, then that means that that food is bad for you. It may be good for everybody else, but that is bad for you. And this is the kind of education and self-awareness that I teach my patients to help them figure out how to take care of themselves. It really gets down to brass, very, very basic brass tacks. Um, there's no mystery to mental illness, really. That That's good to hear. Um, what has been some of your biggest challenges uh, since you started up this uh, new business? <clears throat> the biggest thing was to unlearn what I was taught. Um, you know, I like I said, I did my uh, undergraduate medical education in India, then three years of residency in psychiatry, also in India. And then I come here and had to repeat my residency for four years and one more year of uh, fellowship in geriatric psychiatry. In all these years of extensive training, um, this connection of food and our environment to how we are and the problems we are experiencing was never, ever talked about. So all of a sudden, when I first started this, it was... Um, I, I felt very alone. And uh, to some extent, I think I still am, uh, at least within Wisconsin. Uh, but there are people outside of the state, um, especially on the East and the West Coast and in other places like Colorado, where uh, there have been other uh, psychiatrists that, that have been doing this kind of work. And, you know, I regard some of them as my mentors. But in the beginning, the main problem was I had to come up with a treatment protocol that was applicable for mental illness. And what I was learning was from the perspective of the whole body. There wasn't anything that said, hey, if, if somebody is coming to you for depression, this is what you needed to do. So it, that was the biggest reason that, although I started this journey actually in 2012 and 20, by 2014, I was both certified, but it took me a good additional two years to figure out how to apply the knowledge that I had gained about the whole body and how to synthesize that and make it effective as a protocol for people coming to me for mental illness. Would you say that was one of your biggest, uh, I say aha moments, I should say, is like a new belief or new behavior that oh, has had yes. improved not only your business, but uh, what you do in, in your life? Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And uh, the evidence speaks for itself. Um, so, I mean, I typically for most of my patients that are following with the protocol, it uh, literally takes about four to six weeks for them to experience significant relief in symptoms, irrespective of the diagnosis. And, you know, it, people have to understand that it takes time for your body to adjust mm-hmm. it, uh, from whatever you're doing, from wherever you were. Yes. Uh, where you're at right now is a result from your past. Yes. And, and where you want to go is going to be a result from things that you're doing today. Uh, so people have to really understand that there's no, no magic pill, no switch that's just going to make yes. everything all better. And I, th- I, I truly believe in what you're doing. So this is one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the, the show is is what you're Thank doing you. is natural. Uh, I had a, a lady on here about a year or so ago, uh, Laura Kay, mm-hmm. and we talked almost an hour about uh, eating raw foods mm-hmm. and that changed my life and what I was eating. And I realized that the the raw foods are just as good, if not better. Um, and I've done juices and all those other things like that. And you can really tell the difference Yes, in, in what you do. And it, it does take a little, a little bit of time mm-hmm. to get used to it. But now I'm finding out is that there's certain foods that I used to eat a lot and love mm-hmm. that I won't even eat anymore because I've changed my palate of what I've been eating over yes. time with the raw foods, the vegetables and everything I'm going. Um, eggs is an example mm-hmm. um, that I can't even remember the last time I eat eggs. And when I eat them now, it's not even something I like, Oh my God, this is great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just those little things that, that really change. And it does take a little bit of time, but once you get there, it's it's very rewarding. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, just to clarify, you know, I, I do think of myself as integrating both modern medicine and um, Eastern uh, and traditional medical wisdom. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, uh, there's so much that with the technological advances in Modern medicine, like for instance, every patient, I recommend genetic testing. Not with the intention of seeing what medications would suit them, but really in figuring out what specific biochemical or nutritional need they would have. This is also cutting edge psychiatric research. And so not only that, but you know, sometimes psychiatric medications, some of them do provide symptomatic relief. And there is a role to using that. I do educate my people that these medications are harmful in the long run. But in the short term, very judiciously, very consciously, we can use them, take what benefit we can get from them, and work with the body and the mind to heal at the same time. As an expert, as an expert in your field, what are like three to five things that a potential uh, listener would need to know and and reason to come maybe come see you other than going to see somebody else? The first thing, this kind of um, treatment is for everyone, irrespective of diagnosis. Um, I see people with schizophrenia, with autism, children and adults, depression, anxiety. That would be the first message that I would give. And um, on an average, many of my patients have suffered with their illness for at least 15 to 20 years. So if you were thinking, oh, I've had this for so long and, you know, I, there's no hope for me, I will tell you directly that that is not the case. I have patients in their 50s and 60s that are seeing 
significant relief for the first time in their lives. Um, so that would be the second thing that I would say. And, um, and, and no matter who you're working with, know that you are going to be your best advocate. So don't just um, take what is prescribed. Always ask questions. And also, the, other, the second thing I would say is that, again, what I've said before, that mental illness is not a mystery. You know, many of the times we hear in, uh, um, you know, in, in the media and in other sources that we don't know, we the brain is still so mysterious, we don't understand what's happening with the brain, but really we do. Uh, most uh, doctors in the holistic functional medicine integrative fields will tell you that we do understand why diseases happen not just mental illness, but also many, many diseases. The most common cause is inflammation, and it always begins in the gut. So don't buy into that myth that we don't know what's going on, and it's only these medications that can deliver you from that. Um, and uh, sometimes for these profound illnesses, simple things is what matter. You know, simple solutions. There, You don't have to look for exotic causes. You don't have to look for exotic treatments. Um, th this has really been my uh, experience. I really like that, breaking it down to the most basic needs and, and things to be able to help you along. Mm -hmm. can, you, uh, can you share a story of someone that, that you helped and, and, and from where they were to, say, a couple weeks, a couple months after meeting with you? Yeah. Um, so this is uh, a gentleman that I started to work with in 2016. And uh, he was in his early 30s and uh, he was referred to me by his primary care physician and uh, therapist he was seeing there. Um, this gentleman actually was diagnosed or rather misdiagnosed as having attention deficit disorder. But when he came to me, what I realized is that he was actually having obsessions and compulsions. That was the underlying factor why he was not able to focus on what he was doing. And uh, this, this came as a surprise to him because in all his years of treatment, so he had been struggling with symptoms for over 17 years. He also had a trauma background. So there were, there were elements of uh, PTSD, uh, depression. So, you know, th sometimes this is what happens. You, you become a mixed bag diagnosis almost. And that's how he came very hopeless about where his life was and what he was going to do with it. D um, uh, had been taking medications for a very, very long time. And really, um, the way he described it was that he was uh, looking at me kind of like a last resort. And he had no idea about this whole mind-body connection, the gut-brain connection. And then I, as I went through my evaluation of him, I found out that he had had gut issues since the time he was four or five years old. He would have frequent attacks of constipation, stomach pains. Then when he was in his uh, preteens, he began to develop asthma, then eczema. So there itself, you know, all of these are inflammatory conditions that are triggered by leaky gut. So then I explained to him that his actual problem is the leaky gut, which probably began in childhood. And from there, that inflammation spread to his lungs, resulting in inflammation and asthma. Then when it reached the skin, he began to have eczema. When it reached his brain, plus the environmental trigger of the severe trauma he was subjected to, he ended up with depression and anxiety, OCD and PTSD. <clears throat> So four fancy names, but they all had the same underlying problem. So when I told him, actually, he didn't come back for a couple of months because it was so um, new to him that he uh, found it difficult to believe. But then he did his own research 
And then he found that what I was saying was probably worth a shot. And he has become my biggest advocate. So he completed the uh, diet protocol. He did the detox uh, treatment that I offer, which is through Ayurvedic uh, spa. And this gentleman not only recovered from his OCD, but his asthma and eczema are also in remission. That is awesome. Yeah. That is a really cool story. People people need to hear these types Absolutely. of uh, stories because it's it's <clears throat> there's so much information out there. And you know, one thing you said was to be your own advocate to do the homework. It sounds like this person did. Yes. And, and the thing is you really have to because there's so much information out there and, mm-hmm. and you really have to form your own opinion of what you're going to do with that information. But you also need to st- seek out the professionals that can yes. help you with that yes. and help them, let them guide you. That's what they go to school for and that's what they've been doing. And that's what I say, you know, you should do, I mean, even for me, when I tell you something, don't take it as the gospel truth. Still ask me questions. If something does not make sense to you, explore for yourself. But once you know that this is the way to go, or if you are thinking that this is how you want to be helped, then I'm here to help you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. I mean, I spent the last seven years easily understanding this form of medicine and, you know, fine-tuning uh, the, some aspects of it. So um, so that's, yeah, I, I think you put it really well. Thank you, thank you. So we're going to go a little bit deeper and get to know you a little bit here, um, and then we'll come back. Is there any book or resource that has guided you through this process? Oh, yes. Um, so the professional organizations that I have associated myself with is Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. The second one is Institute for Functional Medicine. And the third one is Maharishi Ayurveda. So Ayurveda is India's medical system. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up in India, it was so um, uh, literally, uh, you know, made fun of, you know, that, oh, that's just old grandma's tales and, you know, there's no scientific validity and then I come here and I see Ayurveda being presented and accepted as a perfectly valid science, a more complete science than even modern medicine is at. So that, of course, intrigued me. And I, want, I went ahead and completed my training with Maharishi Ayurveda as well. And it's, it's always funny when I go back to India, my friends are like, oh, so, you know, you're doing Ayurvedic psychiatry. So when did you come? I mean, where did you go for that? And I'll have to, I always joke that, no, I had to cross the seven seas to learn what was right here in my backyard. <laughs> Isn't that so true? Sometimes, Sometimes. it's sitting there right, your, right in front of you. And- <clears throat> yeah. But the book that I would highly recommend was um, is uh, Dr. Scott Shannon's um, book called Parenting a Whole Child. And that's uh, whole as in W-H-O-L-E. He, um, I regard him as my mentor. He was one of the first psychiatrists that I associated myself with. He's out in Colorado, and he's been practicing this holistic approach to psychiatry for the last 30 to 35 years. And uh, he's written this wonderful guide. It's actually meant for everyone, for parents, uh, for, um, you know, pediatricians, child psychiatrists, for everyone. So I, uh, that definitely gave me an idea. You know, I was getting all this information about functional medicine and Ayurveda, but his book helped me to adapt what I was learning for the treatment of mental illness. That's so. so cool. What's something or one thing that has you so fired up about the future? I think the, the uh, what's really exciting to me about the future is, um, is that millennials, they are truly in the know. Uh, you know, I, I think they are going to create a significant uh, change 
uh, in the way our society is going to behave in every aspect. And I mean, they are, uh, they understand, they, they know what I'm talking about. They are really questioning the existing paradigms of their parents and maybe even their grandparents. And they are willing to go back to the roots, you know, connect with um, nature, connect with the food. I mean, we see uh, young people doing all kinds of amazing things and that's very, very exciting. Very good, very good. All right, let's see what else we have here. Uh, let's see, let's see. All right, when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do to change that attitude? Great question, Rob, because uh, early on I realized, and this is something that, you know, in all this training in functional medicine and integrative medicine, uh, you know, this is talked about a lot that we have to walk the walk. So I, everything that I recommend, uh, those are things that I have tried for myself in my own family, you know, with kids that are wanting to eat everything that's that's around and, you know, explore everything. And um, what I have, what I present to my patients are actually tried and tested by me. In And the protocols that I come up with, I think they're reasonably achievable for uh, a two-income household parents with, you know, two to three children. It is very much possible but it can get overwhelming. So the biggest thing that I do is this consistent practice of meditation every single morning. That's what grounds me and gives me hope and motivation for the day. And when I don't do it, you will know. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. So, um, so you know, I... Uh, I took that, um, you know, direction from all these organizations that we have to um, preach what we, uh, sorry, practice what we preach and, you know, walk the walk, all of those things. Very good. Um, Dr. Aruna, how does someone get in contact with you? Um, I'm going to put these on the, the show notes as well. I mean, what's the best way to get a hold of you? The best way is actually to just call me. My number is 262-955-6601. Uh, that is um, literally the best way. Leave a message, and if I'm able to take your call, I'll do that right away, um, or um, I should be able to call you back within 24 to 48 hours. The other way would also be to go to my website, which is trinergyhealth.com, and um, you can, um, there's actually a tab there that says new patient start here. Uh, you can go through that uh, uh, page on my website that'll give you all the information that you need to understand what to expect when you come to work with me. And also there's a contact form on the website. You can send that as well. So Very good. Well, again, we'll put that on the show notes. Uh, so this is the part of the show. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Uh, we're going to do right. some rapid fire questions. You just, you know, whatever comes first mind, first to your head. Free you know, association, huh? Just free association, <laughs> whatever it might be. So okay. we do that before you, we get to that. Uh, you get to ask me one question anything that you would like, and I'll do my best to answer. What is your favorite pastime? What is my favorite pastime? Um, I love to cook, uh, gardening. I love to garden. Uh, vegetable garden is one of my favorite things to do, and loving to cook for my wife. And, oh, and that's, that's so just sweet. something to do. And it's something that most people don't know, but it's, it's the one part of the day that I really look forward to every day. Similar to your meditation, my time is about starts about five o'clock. Getting preparation, um, even earlier in the day is like what I'm going to cook, getting it planned out, and then ready to execute in the afternoon. So then, when she comes home, 
she can sit down and have a nice relaxing dinner. That is so there. sweet. And it's something I really enjoy doing. People might not look at me kind of crazy about that. No, actually, I'll tell you, you know, cooking for oneself is the ultimate act of self-love and cooking for others is the ultimate act of expression of your love for them. So there's, I mean, how else are you going to nourish them? Literally nourish Literally, them physically. Yeah, yeah so I, I love that. I've never heard that before. That is really, really cool. And I love it because she loves to eat what I cook and she's like my, my food critic. So when, uh, when I cook, I can always, I sit there and let her try it first and then I can sit there and watch her. And then I can tell by her body language and what she says, <laughs> like, oh, is, is it good? Is it not? You know, I'm always trying something new. So wonderful. All right. So we have a couple rapid fire questions before we wrap it up And let's see here. Um, what is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? I like bitter foods. Really? Yes. Give, give, me, give me an example. There is actually a melon. It's actually called the bitter melon. Bitter that melon. is easily my favorite food. Is it something that you can buy at any store? Yeah, you can get them at uh, Indian and Chinese stores. What? Yeah. It's absolutely delicious. A bitter melon. Yes. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's good for diabetics. It actually balances blood sugar. And you got to go to a specialty store, like an Asian store? Asian store, stores like yeah. that? Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I'll have to ask my neighbors about that. We do so do a lot of cooking in the back, and a lot of my neighbors are from uh, Vietnam, Laos, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So we're always eating something creative and different back there. So, yes. Um, if you could speak or give a talk on TED Talk outside of your expertise, what would it be? How to have fun. How to have fun. And what would that look like? Um, actually, the two biggest things that I think is necessary for to, to enhance joy and fun in one's life is to accept what's happening to us. You know, there's a concept called Amar Fati. You know, you cannot take the, uh, <laughs> the psychiatrist out of me, it looks like, but... But really, when we accept what is happening to us, and then the next step is the concept of responsibility. We accept what's happening to us in the moment and take responsibility for our actions and our feelings. That frees us up to have fun, really. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, don't let the things get in the way. Yes, I mean, I mean, you know, kids, you know, when they're playing a game, what are they thinking about? Yeah. They're not thinking about their grades. They're not thinking about anything else. When they're in the game, I mean, it could be the silliest game of hopscotch on the road. They are 100% present and invested. They're in, in their that. moment. They're in their moment. And that is the simplest way to have fun. I like that. In, in the last five years, what have you come better at saying no to? Any distractions, and distractions invitations, anything like that? Um, what new approaches have, have, have helped you? Really valuing my time and my family's time. You know, as you know, I'm sure everybody's, uh, you know, uh, this happens to all of us, especially summers, because we have so few months, it can become highly packed with events and activities and all of that. And it was stressful, you know, too much of a good thing can also be somewhat stressful. So um, my husband and I, we made a conscious decision to limit ourselves to not overspread ourselves and to really focus on time with our girls. And uh, that that's definitely gotten better. So. And, and you know, and that's really worth it. Mm -hmm. it. It all starts at home. It all starts yes. with family first. Yes. And it's, it's something with, uh, in the last three months, I had to uh, focus on myself, uh, saying no to so many one-on-ones and um, 
I'm not saying no to so many, but I would think the organizing them better. Yes. And valuing my time a little bit more where um, before I was, I wasn't getting a whole lot done because I was doing too many one-on-ones unorganized. Mm. And now I look at my calendar moving forward. Now I have that time that I can do things like this today and doing the recordings. And I have days and times where I can meet people. Yes. And then I got entire days where I can really focus on the actions that I need to take. So that's been really... That is is absolutely true. In fact, uh, you know, parallel to that, what also happened is that when I first started my practice, I felt this pressure to be always on. And, uh, and I, you know, I freely give my cell phone number to um, all my patients and, you know, uh, people are so gracious. They're so kind. They will only call me when there's an emergency. So that still exists. But um, I had to carve out that, uh, you know, make myself um, create that distance from my phone as well. So again, you know, these are all things that I think we, we get pulled by different pressures and, uh, you know, on our time and our, on our strengths. And we have to figure out that, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup and our resources are limited. We have to take time to fill up our resources and only then we'll be available for others. Very good, very good. Any last request from the audience and any last parting words? Yes, um, my, the biggest message I would give to anyone that is listening Uh, is whether you or your loved one or anybody that you know is struggling with any mental illness or chronic illness, please know that hope is very important and there is a cure. There is a way to heal oneself, no matter how long the illness has been um, or how severe it may seem. So don't give up hope. Very good, Dr. Ron. I really appreciate you being on the show. I've been looking forward to this ever since I met you. Um, you guys have to really take a look at this. Share this episode with someone that you know um, that may need this. Um, and it can be, um, you know, the mental illness. It could be a number of different things, but just getting that holistic approach and at least getting that second opinion to what you can do to better yourself is, is totally worth it. You got to go out there and do it. Uh, so thank you so much, Dr. Ruiner, for being on Local First Podcast. It was really a credible conversation. My pleasure, Rob. Thank you so much. And make sure that everybody check us out on localfirstpodcast.com. Check us out on iTunes. Make sure you give us a rating and a review. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find me by searching Local First Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Also, head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave some comments. You also have the opportunity to request to have a guest or topic for Local First Podcast. For any of the books or resources talked about on these episodes, head over to localfirstpodcast.com. Click on the Resources tab. I also want to thank ExactaCorp for Studio One. Until next time, it's your host, Rob Kohansky.